0: look into the 23rd psalm i read it at the beginning of our worship we see the first thing is that the shepherd provides we see we see the shepherd's provision we all need certain things we all need food and water we all need clothing in fact paul understands this so plainly that he tells timothy if we have food and clothing with this we will be content So there are things that we do need, and we see that the shepherd is going to provide the basic needs for his sheep. Again, it is important to understand that the sheep, they're just going to hang out there. They're not going to go anywhere else. They don't know how to find pasture. They're not going to go find water. A domesticated sheep is just going to hang out right there and eat up everything till it's gone. We see in God's lavish provision, we see in the shepherd's lavish provision, six things here in this first point. The first thing that we see in the 23rd Psalm is that he provides a place. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Makes you think of Ireland green, wide open. If it's green, it's lush. If it's green, there's food. And if it is a wide open green pasture, I can see danger out there. So this is a place not only of provision, but it's a place of security. And would you rather go out and lay on a nice soft green pasture or would you rather lie on a rocky mountaintop it is more comfortable for the body to lie down on a good pleasant green pasture so the shepherd leads his sheep to this place but we know in scripture that God also is preparing for his people a place a place of utter security a place where there is no sickness no sin, no destruction. God's word tells us nothing unclean will ever enter this place that He is preparing, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in, ironically, the Lamb's book of life. Revelation twenty one seven. Jesus told his disciples the night before he was executed, "I go, to prepare a place for you. Now this is a this, we look forward to that day. I hope you do. For those who suffer aches and pains, for those who suffer travails, through those who suffer for those who suffer heartache, I hope that you look forward to that time where all of that will be gone. All of it resolved, all of it understood as we see our Lord and Savior face to face. But even in this green pasture, we know that there are threats out there and that is why God is preparing for us a green pasture where these threats won't touch us. But here, even now, while we are under the sun, those threats are still here, and that is why you sit here to hear the preaching of God's word. This is what Paul exhorted Timothy. He said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? Because the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So here in the green pasture that God is preparing for us, he also, there is a warning that we must hear him call to us. We will talk more about the word here in the next point. But it is important that we see the enemy from afar, that we know even when we are in a place of security, even nearby, perhaps even in my own heart, There are things that will want to lead me away from the shepherd. First thing we see is that he provides for us a place, but he also will satisfy our souls as we continue on in verse 2. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Still water. There's no danger to fall into still water unless it's really deep right there. But the shepherd is nearby. But a raging river, a sheep to go into a raging river, the sheep is gone. It is tranquil. It is a quiet place. You can see the bottom. You can see the threat if it is in the water. And how satisfying for those who have mown the lawn in August here to find your bride on the porch or your husband on the porch, as the case may be, with a glass of cold water where you take that water into your mouth and you can feel it as it goes all the way down and hit your stomach. How satisfying and how refreshing is that? It is no wonder in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, we see that as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It is in Him, it is in God that we find our satisfaction. That is what these things say. This is either true or it's rubbish. there, There are other things in this life. If there are other things in this life that satisfy and restore your soul, it will be for a moment. A CrossFit regimen is good for a moment. An extra mile in your run is not going to provide for you eternal life. Another pound lost will not satisfy your soul. Not a nip, not a tuck, not a new wife, not a new job, not a new outfit. Only God will restore your soul, the good Shepherd. Third thing, he will lead us in paths of righteousness. God will never lead you astray. God will never lead you astray. God will never lead you into sin. He has tempted no one, and he himself cannot be tempted, James tells us in 1, verse 13. James 1, 13. If I have a desire to sin, it is me and not God. I cannot put the blame on the living God. James goes on in verse 14 to say it is we are tempted when we are allured, when we are lured by our own desires. Even that is not sin. My desire may be wrong. It is acting upon that desire where it becomes sin, and sin gives forth brings forth death. We are all going to be tempted. What are we going to do with that? But know this, God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you. He will always lead you in paths of righteousness. Because the world is broken due to sin, because my body is broken due to sin, It should not surprise me that my desires are broken. That I desire wrong things. That I desire things not good for me. That is why it is imperative that I follow the good shepherd. We must not let the world push us into its mold or drive along its wide-open highways. We must let God in his word transform our minds, Romans 12, verse 2, as we follow after him. And notice, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is all for the shepherd's glory. God speaks through Isaiah he says I I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake and I will not remember your sins God blots out your transgressions at the cross of Jesus Christ for his glory we get good in it we go yes this is great But ultimately, it is God's glory that is the greatest thing. There is no higher good. There is no higher purpose than God's glory. If God does anything that is not ultimately for his glory, there is some higher good than God. And he becomes an idolater. If God does something for other than his glory, there is a higher good than God, and he becomes an idolater. Everything that he does must ultimately be for his glory. And it is in God's glory that, in truth, the sheep find their satisfaction and their fullness and their wholeness. God prepares us a place. He satisfies our soul. He leads us in righteousness. He will protect us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, verse 4, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. To get smacked in the head by a shepherd's staff would be most unpleasant. A shepherd would do that to a robber. To get smashed in the mouth with his club would hurt your teeth. So for some, the staff and the club are not points of comfort. They are threats. The staff and the club are threatening to the enemy. But the staff and the club to the sheep is a comfort. Why? Because you're using them to protect me. You may be using the staff to pull me in. You may want me on the posterior with that staff or use your club to nudge me in. Oh, that wasn't pleasant. But God disciplines those he loves. Hebrews chapter 12, God disciplines those he loves. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. And we know that God tells us faithful are the wounds of a friend. If that's true, how much more the discipline of the loving God. And so his staff and his rod are not threats to me because I am his. They are points of comfort. So I trust God in his discipline, and I trust him to use his staff and his club ultimately to protect me. He will feed us. Verse 5 You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now, we know that God tells us not to worry about our food and our drink. He says, look at the birds of the air. Okay, if God feeds them, will he take care of you? Yes, and Jesus Christ is speaking specifically of our physical needs there. Is he going to take care of you? Yes. Yes. But he goes on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? There is more than food and drink. And God will feed us. Jeremy preached through Luke chapter 12 in the marriage supper. We see that Christ, God the Son, is going to serve us. At this feast, there is more than food and drink. There is God Himself. Jesus, the bread of life, told the masses about manna. They were asking about manna, they were asking about Him feeding the 6,000. And he tells them that the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Unless anybody eats of me, he cannot have any part of me. You get some very strange religious ideas with regard to communion in that verse. But what Christ is talking about is us feeding upon his word, us being nourished by his word. He tells his disciples in John chapter 4 that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. We have the word of God that directs us and we find nourishment in hearing it and doing it. This is what Jesus Christ is saying to us. This is what Psalm 19 makes vivid. When it speaks of the word of the Lord reviving the soul, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes, more desirable than gold, sweeter than honey, warning and great reward are found in God's word. Are we going to feast and find satisfaction in the word of God? The sixth thing we see in the 23rd Psalm is that he will love us. He will anoint our heads with oil. Now, they anoint dead bodies. Yes, that's not what he's talking about. Kings also were anointed with oil. But in Daniel, Daniel anointed himself with oil day by day. It was looking nice, getting ready to put oil on your hair and on your face. And for the one to spread oil upon you, to anoint you with oil, is to show a lavish love. That is what Jeremy preached through in Luke chapter 7. At Simon's house, when Jesus was at table and the woman, the common woman, came in and anointed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Anointed him showed him great love, and so my cup overflows. God loves me, and my cup overflows. He prepares for us a place, satisfaction of the soul, provides us direction, nourishes us with his word, protects us, and loves us. But the thing that is greater than all of these, all of these are by his hand, These are great and wonderful things, but the greatest thing in this psalm is not these things. The greatest thing is the shepherd. The best thing is the shepherd. He takes me to these pastures. He leads me. He is the one who restores my soul. He is with me the valley of the shadow of death notice in the middle of verse 4 the middle of the the psalm for you are with me it is the pivotal point of the psalm you comfort me your boundaries comfort me you prepare for me oh God a lavish table you anoint me with your love Is it any wonder that he would then declare that goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The revelation, the amazing thing about the revelation, when you get to Revelation chapter 21 and you see the new heavens and the new earth, God is with man. Go back to the garden when Adam and Eve Walking with God in the garden. Perfect fellowship. Perfect communion. The dwelling place of God is with man, Revelation 21.3, and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Is it any wonder David says in Psalm 16.2, I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. In your presence there is fullness of joy. 16:11. You will always want another meal. That is Jesus point to the woman at the well. You're going to get a drink, you're going to be thirsty again. You're always going to want another dollar. You're always going to want another high in however you find your highs, You will always want another encounter. But in him, you will never thirst. John 4, 14. You will find satisfaction in the good shepherd. Peace, joy, contentment, hope, overwhelming, overflowing. But how do I get this? Look back at the very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. How can he say this? That's awfully audacious. How can I say that God is for me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Well, how do you know God's on your side? How can I have this assurance? How can I know such relationship in conclusion I want you to flip over to John chapter 10 the passage David read for us the passage of the good shepherd we have to understand that there's an alternative to following after the good shepherd And Jesus Christ makes that very clear. In verse 5, he says strangers will come, a stranger they will not follow, to try and distract the sheep. He highlights that there are robbers in verse 1, thieves and robbers. Their intention is found in verse 10. The thief comes only steal kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly what a contrast we have to understand that the wolf's intention is to eat the sheep the wolf's intention is to eat the sheep there is no alternative there's not a third team there are two teams. You're either with the shepherd or you're not. Well, that's awfully harsh. I am not going to follow after Satan. You may say that, but Jesus Christ will declare to you in Matthew 12 and verse 30, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather scatters. There are two teams. You are with the good shepherd, or you are not. Now, in verse 3 of chapter 10, we see that the sheep hear his voice. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out verse 4, continues. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You guys have probably heard stories about shepherds who call the sheep, and the sheep "Ah, all come running to the shepherd. You go, yeah, that's what pastors preach about. Okay, I went on YouTube. And there is, you know, these people were wanting to test this out. There's a group of people, one running camera, a field full of sheep. The shepherd says, this is what I say to call the sheep. And so it's like, ticky, ticky, cock, ticky, tick ticky, cock, you know what I'm going? Okay, whatever. So the first lady gets up, and she says it, and all the sheep are just eating their grass. Don't even look at her. You know, she's calling louder. and she Contestant number two gets up, you know, film's still running. Same thing, ticky, ticky, tack, ticky, ticky, ticky. You wonder if this is like candid cameras. Is this like just a joke or something? Number two. Number three. All the sheep, they're just eating, you know, maybe moving a little bit. They're out there. The shepherd gets up. ikki ticky, 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 ticky tak ticky, ticky-tack. And the sheep just all come zorching over to the shepherd. I have heard in Israel that they will flock all the sheep, sheep together. Bunch of sheep, bunch of shepherds all together. And when their shepherd goes, ee tiki tiki tack, or whatever those shepherds use to call their sheep, boom, they can separate the sheep. Lickety split simply by calling their name. What about you? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd? today. Jesus calls out, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I am not going to assume those of you who I have seen before. There's nobody in here I haven't seen before. I've seen you all before. It would be a horrifying thing for me to assume you are all saved. The sheep hear his voice. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 38, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9, where you currently are, I am the door. Anyone who enters by me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Hear the shepherd's call respond today. The robber is going to continue to call to you, to distract you, to destroy you, to eat you. Okay, Satan's not going to eat you, but he wants you dead. He wants you destroyed. He wants your ministry a mess, even if you are saved. Even if you are saved, the robber, the thief, will continue to call to you. Ignore it. Answer the master's voice. Well, some people might, might have heard some theology, and they go, well, what if I'm not elect? You don't know that. I don't know that. Nobody here knows that. Election is great. a great thing. Thing, a great assurance for those who are saved. But, but, I, but I don't know. You won't know. You have one thing to do. Respond to the shepherd. Hear his voice. Hear him call to you. He has promised you in verse 10, abundant life. Notice verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What an awesome portent to the future. They had no idea what he was saying when he said this. But to look back and see how the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. Christ knows those who are his. Won't you respond to his voice today? Sinner or saint, the sheep is calling to you. Saint, hear his word, hear his voice, and follow hard after him. Sinner, turn to him and become part of his flock. What fools we are not to follow. Savor these truths, savor these promises in your mind live those truths out live these promises out in your life let's pray Father we thank you and praise you that you love your sheep oh God help us to follow after you let us hear your call make us an eager people to hear your word to hear your truth, to savor it. Father, if there be any here who do not know you today, oh, that today would be the day they respond to your voice and be saved. God, be glorified in this place. As we go from here, give us strength to be your witnesses in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.